0: Hello, everybody. Pastor Brian here, senior pastor at Burntwoods Church, and it's time for our weekly podcast update or whatever this thing is. I, I never have figured out a good name for our podcast. <laughs> I tried to bat around a few things here or there, but it just turns out it's the weekly podcast. I don't know. And I uh, hope your week is going well and I uh, hope everybody is doing good. I got to tell you, I'm relieved now to have gotten past the previous two messages that I preached, not in a sense where I didn't enjoy those messages because it actually really turned out to be good for me spiritually, and I think for us as a church to walk through those difficult passages in First Peter and grapple with them, but in the end to see that Jesus is victorious, and because we belong to him, we're victorious too. But man, that was tough, I gotta tell you. A lot of studying, a lot of uh, reading, a lot of Late evenings working on sermons here at the church, and so it's kind of like this week I feel like I'm back to normal again, and uh, happy for that. And I want to continue this week to uh, on the podcast to build on the last podcast where I talked about what it was like for me to go on my first mission mission trip, excuse me, and how that really did uh, change my life, and so. I want to build on that and talk about missions and Burntwood's church. And, uh, you know, missions is really, when I talk about missions, you know, I'm talking about the Great Commission, uh, Jesus' command for us as his people to go into all the world and make disciples, you know, to, to go and make disciples of all nations. And so, you know, when we're talking about missions. That's basically what I'm talking about. But one of the things that attracted me to this church initially was that it felt to me like a church that had missions in its DNA. I always loved that about our church. When I first came here, it was Gethsemane Baptist, and we changed our name to Burntwood's Church, but, you know, who we are has never changed. We are still the same church, and, you know, let me tell you a funny story about that, about being attracted to this church. I've told this story before uh, when I first came here, and I've told it to people uh, just individually, over the years. But, you know, I was at my last church and I loved uh, the people at my last church. And, and uh, the time of ministry that we had there was just a really wonderful in so many ways. But uh, one thing that I didn't love, I'll just be honest with you, and I'd say this uh, if I was in the pulpit at that church today one thing that I didn't love was that when um, when myself and Pastor Nick really got excited about global missions and getting ready to go um, just be a part of what god was doing all over the world we decided to go i told that story in the last podcast you know we decided to go to ghana and and uh, we asked our church to come alongside of us and support that one of the big reasons we were doing that was to be an example to our people and to our church of what it meant uh, what it looked like to be part of the great commission and so in any case um let me just say that that I was frustrated with our church's response at that, <laughs> and their support for for us um, and the general support for the idea that we should be going overseas or engaging different people with the gospel. I was just really frustrated with that. So driving up here um, at the time I was living down in Southern Maryland, Denise and I and, and uh, the kids are driving up here to go to a family gathering just up the street from the church here because, I, you know, I grew up here and we have family in the area. And so we were going over to Lisbon to go to a family gathering. And this was like, I want to say this must have been, it had to have been in January of 2012. That's what I think. Um, uh, I don't know, remember remember the exact date, but I'm pretty sure that's it. And anyway, so we're coming up here and I'm a little bit frustrated. I was supposed to leave for Ghana in a few weeks for my first trip. And I was just sharing with her about my frustration about the way that our church had had um, not supported us. And as we're driving across Burntwoods Road, you know, making the, you know, cutting over between 32 and 97, heading over towards Lisbon, as we're coming across our old church sign, which had a marquee on it, it said something like, I'm pretty sure it said exactly this, but if it wasn't exactly this, it was something like it. It said, uh, please pray for our Antigua team. And, as we're driving by, I just sort of glanced over. I'm fussing, venting to Denise. I glanced over, I see that sign, and I said to her, I would love to pastor a church like that, that supports missions. You know, I was just like, I mean, I wasn't even serious about pastoring this church. It just turns out that that was God's plan for me. And, uh, uh, here I am. But I always thought that was interesting, you know, that one of the first, my first real thoughts, even though I had passed by this church and drove by it for most of my life, I guess, um, you know, one of my first real thoughts about this church was, I want to pastor that church because they're supportive of missions. And uh, and that's kind of a cool thought for me, even just to think back on that. That's one of the things initially that attracted me here and, and um and, you know, we have been a church that has loved missions. We've been a church where that it's been part of our DNA as a church. When I first came here, you know, we were involved in Antigua. Um, I think for years before that or sometime before that, uh, we had been involved in Mexico. I don't know anything except a few things about uh, our involvement in Mexico. I couldn't even tell you where or what we were really doing there. I just know, I think— I remember hearing that there was some involvement in Mexico, but anyway, we were in Antigua when I got here. Of course, Ghana when I met with the search team and the church, you know, I, I was pretty clear that uh, the work that was beginning in Ghana was something that I was going to carry with me if you called me to be your pastor. Um, in fact, I remember telling, saying specifically to the during the question and answer time uh, on Sunday afternoon that Sunday I came to preach in view of a call. During the question and answer time, I, I told the church, if you're not serious about the Great Commission, don't call me to be your pastor because, you know, we're just both going to be frustrated if that's the case. And uh, that wasn't the case. We've always taken it very seriously and been very involved. And so we had Antigua, Ghana at one time. Uh, we were supporting some work in Vietnam. We still – you may not even know this, uh, if, especially if you're new to Burntwoods Church, but we do actively support uh, – um, uh, a family in Australia is a missionary pilot that flies out into the uh, more remote regions of Australia for um, as a, a, a Christian aviator missionary. Um, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you know, we've always been willing and, and 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 happy to support missions and missionaries. But over the past year and a half or so, because of COVID. Uh, our mission work has slowed, and it has not stopped, by the way. Uh, We've still been supporting financially, supporting our partners, and been involved in decision-making and in different things. Um, but it has slowed down quite a bit since COVID struck. And in a sense, it has sort of faded more into the background of our identity, into the, more of the background of who we are. And so one of the things that I'm trying to do by – bringing these things back up in our podcast and you know hopefully uh, well not hopefully I just will be talking about this more in the future from the pulpit and um, just getting it back in front of us I want to bring it back to its pop proper place excuse me uh, missions I want it to be in its proper place in the life of our church because I believe that the great commission making disciples of all nations must be at the center of the life of a church, any church. But since I'm the pastor of this church, I'm going to prioritize the Great Commission, making disciples of all nations. It has to be at the center of the life of our church. You know, I found this great quote not too long ago. I was just happened to be reading something. I think I was reading a sermon manuscript um, from John Piper, who, you hear me say that name a lot, by the way. Um, He is a big influence in my life and ministry, and and uh, he's a good guy to read or listen to. And uh, so John Piper, I came across this quote. I'm not sure exactly where I got it from, but I sent it to Pastor Nick in a text message a couple weeks ago, and Piper said this. He said, every church in history that has not reached out has gone down. And I thought, wow, it's just a great quote to remind us of the urgency of reaching out, not becoming so inwardly focused that we just die on the vine you know we we really want to reach be reaching out so you know I want to pursue I want us to as a church to see the importance of pursuing the great commission pursuing making disciples of all nations you know one of the things that that comes up a lot when we talk about this is people will ask um you know why should we concern ourselves with making disciples of all nations when there's so much work to do right here in our own neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I agree, there's tons of work to do in our own neighborhood, but I don't ever want that to be a hindrance or an excuse for us to not pursue global discipleship, global disciple making, the Great Commission. And, um, you know, we want to get it done here, and then we also want to be doing it elsewhere at the same time, as much as our resources and our gifts allow us. I think we should be engaged on as many fronts as we possibly can be. And uh, you know, I'll tell you why. In Acts chapter one verse eight, Jesus talking to his disciples and commissioning them uh, to go out and be his witnesses, he says this to him. In Acts chapter one verse eight, good good verse to memorize. He says, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you." and you will be my witnesses. So in other words, you're going to go and tell my story. You're going to tell what you've seen. You're going to tell what you know about me. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The important thing here, well, there's a lot of important thing, things here, but in the context of what I'm getting at um, here in this moment is that we need to understand that as Jesus commissioned his disciples, he did not say to them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And when you've got that work completed, 100% done, everyone is reached and everyone is healthy spiritually, then move on to Judea and repeat that process there. And then when you're ready to move on, go to Samaria and and then eventually get to the ends of the earth. He didn't say that. He didn't say it like it was a, a Four step process, and we had to complete one step before moving on to the next. He says, Be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we need to be pursuing our mission, not only here at home where God has placed us obviously, that's our priority um, but we need to be working as well as our resources and gifts allow us in the church. We need to be working to reach the ends of the earth, as far as we can go and everywhere in between. So um, also, I'll just say this, you know, most of the times when people say, uh, why are we doing that there instead of focusing here? I've always found that to be a very hollow argument, hollow statement, because most of the times when people say that, uh, if you press it a little bit, you'll discover that, um, that they're not really doing anything here anyway. Um, it's just a opposition to doing something more. Um, and so I've just never found that to be convincing because no one's ever given me a good reason to think it could be convincing. Uh, also, we should keep in mind that 99% of our ministry effort does go here. It is put into here. the The time that I spend um, preparing and, and preaching and teaching and the time that you spend coming and being equipped, the local ministry efforts that we're involved in, the ongoing ministry to youth and children and uh, interpersonal relationships, sharing the gospel with our family members and friends and coworkers. I mean, 99% of our work happens here. It just so happens that we go other places, and sometimes it feels like we're investing so heavily in them because it's harder to get there. It costs more to get there. The resources look out of proportion. But we're working here, and we also want to be working abroad in global missions. And So let me just answer um, why we are pursuing global missions. Like, Why is this so important? Let me give you some simple answers that maybe will help you think about it a little bit differently um, as we sort of start having the conversation more as a church and getting it back out in front. So first of all, the reason we pursue global missions as a church is that it's an issue of obedience. I mean, this first and foremost, this is an issue of obedience in the life of the believer and in the life of the church. So in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus begins the Great Commission by saying to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he's saying this, what what I'm about to say to you is coming to you from a position of authority. And he's the ultimate authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, to Christ. So we need to really perk up our ears and listen to what he says next. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So he commissions the church to go make disciples, which, by the way, is the heartbeat of the commission is making disciples, not going. Going is part of how we make disciples, but the idea is that we will make disciples of all nations. We're going to go be active in this work. We're going to be His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're going to do this. He's commanded us to do this. I always think that it's interesting that we seem to give ourselves a pass on obedience to the Great Commission. Like, imagine if the church um, just decided to not be obedient to some other command of Christ. Imagine that we just decided like for instance Jesus tells us that we should love our enemies, right? We should love the people who persecute us and and abuse us. We should love our enemies. What if we as a church decided you know we we've got other things to work on. So we're just not going to do that right now. We Or, you know, we don't feel like that that's as important as other things in the life of the church. So we know you said it, Jesus, but we're just not going to do it. We're not going to love our enemies. How do you think that Jesus himself would react to that? I mean, what do you think the reaction would be to that? I mean, I think that we could say reasonably that we can at least not expect to be blessed by God if we're just disregarding his words. And so I think that we've got to think about the Great Commission that way. This is a command from Christ. This is what he's commissioned us to do. And so this is an issue of obedience first. We want to be obedient to Christ in all things and everything. We want to submit to him as Lord. And we can't do that if we're not taking the Great Commission seriously. I mean, this is a biggie. This is what he left us to do. This is the really the one thing that we're to do above all other things. Everything else is sort of in a supporting role of this thing. So, we need to be obedient. So, that's the first thing is just this is an issue of obedience. And then secondly, we should be motivated by love for other people. You remember the discussion that Jesus, excuse me, that Jesus had with those who asked him what the what is the greatest commandment of all? In Matthew chapter twenty two, Jesus answered them by saying in verse thirty eight and thirty nine, um, he says that the first and greatest commandment is to love God. We know that that's the first and the greatest commandment. But then he goes on to say in verse thirty nine that the second is like it: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know that we're, we're to be motivated. In our actions and the things that we do, first of all, love for God. So that would tie in with our first point about obedience to the Great Commission. But then love for others. Listen, we have the greatest news in the history of creation to tell that we can be reconciled to our God because of Jesus and what Jesus has done and uh, what sacrifice he made in our place. That's the greatest story there's ever been and people need to hear that so that they can accept the gospel and be reconciled to God. It, you know, wouldn't you want to hear that? If what if no one ever told you? You know, what if the gospel message never reached you? And so we really want to love other people and and let me just give you some numbers about this. You know, when we talk about loving other people, there needs to be a sense of urgency here. There are I'm um, getting these numbers from a website called the Joshua Project. It's a pretty neat website you can go check out. Uh, if you've never looked into these things, it really can be an eye-opener for you about the urgency of global missions and the task that's set before us. Um, so according to their statistics, there are 17,416 people groups in the world. Now, a people group is basically um, a people, a group of people – who share a common language, culture, setting, um, where within that people group, you don't have to learn a new um, language if you want to communicate. You don't have to travel a distance if you need to communicate. You know, basically, the, the people are together. They share common language. They share common culture. Um, that's a people group. I think you get what a people group is. Um, there are. 17,416 people groups, that represents 7.84 billion people in the world, the entire world's population. So there's a lot of people groups, a lot of distinct people groups. And uh, within that number, out of 17,416 people groups, there are 7,403 unreached people groups. Now an unreached people group is a people group whose number of followers, uh, the number of followers of Christ and the amount of resources within that group make outside assistance necessary to reach the rest of the group with the gospel. So an unreached people group, there there will be Christians uh, from that people group. So there will be people um, who are Christians within that particular people group, but there'll be so few of them that they need outside assistance to reach the rest of the group there's just not enough of them or not enough resources for there to be a gospel witness uh amongst that group and so that's an unreached people group it doesn't mean that they um uh, there's no christian presence it just means that they don't have the resources or the amount of Christians present to be able to reach the rest of the group. So there are 7,403 unreached people groups that represent 3.27 billion people in the world uh, where people, most people in those people groups just aren't going to hear the gospel. It, it may be there, but they're just not going to get an opportunity to hear it. And we want to reach those people groups. And and um and we want those people to be able to hear the gospel but there's another group of people just to represent the urgency here uh that we call frontier people groups and a frontier people group is a people group that has no reported self-sustaining gospel movement within that people group in other words there's no one there essentially no one there within that people group that can represent Uh, the gospel or can share the gospel. So that there are 4,993 frontier people groups in the world. Get that. 4,993 frontier people groups. That comes out to be about a fourth of the world. One out of every four people lives in a frontier people group. One out of every four. 25% of the world population, listen, here's a quote from the Joshua Project website. It says, one-fourth of the world lives in frontier people groups and have almost no chance of hearing about Jesus from someone in their own people groups. So this means if you're in one of these people groups, you can be born, you can live your entire life, and you can die as a very old person, live a full life. Go through your entire life, and there will be no one to ever speak the name of Jesus to you, let alone tell you the gospel story. So there are these frontier people groups, and these are the real, uh, the places where we really see this sense of urgency to reach into those places and shine the light of the gospel into that spiritual darkness. And uh, there are frontier people groups in Ghana. And they are part of our strategy. We have always, from the very beginning, you know, if you look up Ghana uh, online, you look at the religious uh, breakdown of the country, you'll see that much of Ghana, particularly in the South, is already reached. They're Christians, but they remain in that area. And then as we sort of expand our circle beyond the borders of Ghana into the surrounding countries and into the region— there are many of these frontier people groups. There are some of them that are in Ghana that are within reach. That are even um, in the we are even already present in the region of one of the largest of these frontier people groups in uh, West Africa. Which, by the way, statistically speaking, on the Joshua Project website, the Hausa tribe, which is in the Upper East, where we do a lot of our water work. Uh, they are designated as a frontier people group. They are unreached frontier people group with, when it gives a percentage of uh, evangelical Christians within the house of tribe, their percentage is 0.00. No Christians, no professing Christians. And so we're working. We want people like that to hear the gospel. We want to love our neighbors as ourselves. We would want to hear this good news, and so we want to share this good news with other people. And uh, another reason why we should pursue missions as a church, and this is a very practical thing, but it just keeps us healthy to be reaching out. We need purpose and vision that sees beyond ourselves. And, you know, you start recognizing that churches are unhealthy and that they are um, – that they are ill in so many ways, once they stop reaching out, bad things start to happen. Churches get really unhealthy. Just imagine uh, for a moment, maybe this is a poor illustration, but imagine a football team that gets together and practices, and they they learn the playbook, and they have a head coach who's charismatic, and, and uh, he's a great coach, and the church has a, a, there's a staff of coaches that is equipping people to play the game and teaching them and training them, and they've got a weightlifting coach, and they've got great facilities and all that stuff. But imagine that they never play a game. They just keep practicing. They just show up. They go through their practices. They enjoy their facilities. They talk to their coaches. They do this. They do that. But they never Play a game. What do you think would happen to that team? You know, I think it would become a pretty toxic situation in which they would start to focus on things that didn't even matter for the team. Like the mission of a football team win games, win the game, you know, go win a championship, win the Super Bowl. But if you never play the game, inevitably you're going to get focused on things that aren't part of your mission. It's going to distract you, and it's going to become an unhealthy environment. And I think for churches, there's a real danger that we can be like that team when we don't pursue the mission of the church, uh, when we don't get in the game, so to speak. We can become really unhealthy because we start focusing on things that aren't part of the mission, and they become elevated to a place where they don't belong, and it just makes an unhealthy Environment, so it's important for us to keep our vision and our mission clear, our purpose clear. We want to reach the world with the gospel. We want to help every single person in the world hear the gospel and come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and uh, that's why we do missions. It's an issue of obedience to Christ first. It's our motivated by our love for God and our love for other people, and it keeps us healthy by. Keeping us on uh, on mission, on our purpose, on top of our purpose, and continuing to look beyond the horizon, so to speak, and 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 dream about what's next, and keep pushing ourselves to accomplish our mission. So we're going to be a church that accomplishes or that pursues the Great Commission, and uh, perhaps one of these days we'll be there to see the end when Christ will return. Uh, triumphantly and and uh, bring this whole thing to a close, but we know that we need to get the gospel to every corner of the earth before that happens, and so we want to be part of the Great Commission in a meaningful way. And again, you know, I I want you individually to be part of the Great Commission, and that can mean I'm going to close this down, but that can mean either being a goer or a sender. And whether that sending is done financially or prayerfully or in any other way, um, you know, there's lots of ways to send. Uh, You can be a goer, you can be a sender, but we've all got a part to play in the Great Commission. I want us to be excited about it, and I want us to see beyond ourselves and see beyond the things that, that just meet our immediate needs and see that we've been called to the same mission that has occupied God himself before the foundations of the world until now and to all eternity, that every single nation of people, every people group, will hear the gospel and will be present in some way or another. A representative of every people group in the world will be present in heaven to worship Jesus. Every tribe, every nation Every tongue, we want to reach the world, and you can be a part of that. So, Burntwoods Church, you're going to be hearing more about it, and I want you to really think about how you you individually are going to be involved in the Great Commission and pursuing the mission of our church. Well, that's it. I'm going to cut that off there because we're right at 30 minutes, and I always try to keep these things a little bit uh, shorter than 30 minutes if I can, but I don't want to get any longer than that. So, listen, go. Have a wonderful rest of your week. We don't have our Wednesday dinner and Bible study tomorrow on Wednesday, but uh, we'll be back at that next week after we have our first uh, first week meetings this week. And I look forward to seeing you there. But but before then, I'll see you at worship on Sunday. So go have a wonderful week. Um, stay healthy. Stay safe. And God bless you. I'll see you soon.